Hello, parents, guardians, and caregivers. I'd like to take a moment before the podcast to thank you for choosing me to be your or your child's reader for the next half hour or so. This is one of those rare occasions where we get two podcasts back to back within a week of each other because we release every odd Wednesday. So today, Today is the 1st of June, so you get a bonus episode almost because we had one out last week. I'm very excited for this episode. It's got lots of music in it, and you can find the list of stories and songs in the show notes on your platform of choice. There's also a link to our Patreon. This podcast can only happen with the generous support of our patrons, and I'm very excited to have so many of you on board. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so glad that you are here. Hello, my sweet friends. It's nice to see you again. Come along and read with me. It's my favorite place to be when Raggedy Hello, my sweet friends. Welcome back to the Book Nook. I'm Raggedy Auntie, and I am so excited that you are here for an episode of stories about animals. And not just any animals. These stories are about, I guess, how animals behave when we aren't looking. Now, I have a little cat who lives with me. His name is Endymion, and you've heard his voice on some of these podcasts. You won't hear his voice today, but you will hear some cows, some chickens, and you'll even hear an entire chorus of jungle animals. We have stories about farm animals. We have some songs. We have a lot of really cool animal-related stuff. So think about your favorite animal as we go into this first story, which is one of my favorite stories about how the whale got his throat. How the Whale Got His Throat by Rudyard Kipling In the sea, once upon a time, oh my best beloved, there was a whale, and he ate fishes. He ate the starfish and the garfish, and the crab and the dab, and the place and the dace, and the skate and his mate, and the mackerel and the pickerel, and the really truly twirly whirly eel. All the fishes he could find in all the sea he ate with his mouth. So, till at last, there was only one small fish left in all the sea, and he was a small stute fish, and he swam a little behind the whale's right ear so as to be out of harm's way. Then the whale stood up on his tail and said, I'm hungry. And the small stute fish said in a small stute voice, Noble and generous cetacean, have you ever tasted man? No, said the whale. What's it like? Nice, said the small stute fish. Nice, but nubbly. Then fetch me some, said the whale, and he made the sea froth up with his tail. One at a time is enough, said the stute fish. If you swim to latitude 50 north, longitude 40 west, that's magic. You will find, sitting on a raft in the middle of the sea with nothing on but a pair of blue canvas breeches, a pair of suspenders, you must not forget the suspenders, best beloved, and a jackknife, one shipwrecked mariner who, 
it's only fair to tell you, is a man of infinite resource and sagacity. So the whale swam and swam to latitude 50 north, longitude 40 west, as far as he could swim, and on a raft in the middle of the sea with nothing to wear except a pair of blue canvas breeches, a pair of suspenders, you must particularly remember the suspenders, best beloved, and a jackknife, he found one single solitary shipwrecked mariner trailing his toes in the water. He had his mom's leave to paddle or else he would have never done it because he was a man of infinite resource and sagacity. Then the whale opened his mouth back and back and back till it nearly touched his tail and he swallowed that shipwrecked mariner and the raft that he was sitting on and his blue canvas breeches and the suspenders, which you must not forget, and the jackknife. He swallowed them all down in his warm, dark, inside cupboards, and then he smacked his lips and turned round three times on his tail. But as soon as the mariner, who was a man of infinite resource and sagacity, found himself truly inside the whale's warm, dark, inside cupboards, he stumped and he jumped and he thumped and he bumped and he pranced and he danced and he banged and he clanked and he hit and he bit and he leaped and he creeped and he prowled and he howled and he hopped and he dropped and he cried and he sighed and he crawled and he bawled and he stepped and he leapt and he danced hornpipes where he shouldn't and the whale felt most unhappy indeed. Have, have you forgotten the suspenders? Don't forget the suspenders. So he said to the stutefish, This man is very nubbly, and besides, he's making me hiccup. What shall I do? Tell him to come out, said the stutefish. So the whale called down his own throat to the shipwrecked mariner, Come out and behave yourself. I feel... Got the hiccups. <laughs> nay, nay, said the mariner. Not so, but far otherwise. Take me to my natal shore and the white cliffs of Albion, and I'll think about it. And he began to dance more than ever. You had better take him home, said the stute fish to the whale. I ought to have warned you that he is a man of infinite resource and sagacity. Oh. So the whale swam and swam with both flippers and his tail as hard as he could for the hiccups. And at last he saw the mariner's natal shore and the white cliffs of Albion. And he rushed halfway up the beach and opened his mouth wide and wide and wide and said, Change here for Winchester. Ashland, Nashua Keen, and stations on the <coughs> uh, Fitchburg Road. And just as he said Fitch, the mariner walked out of his mouth. But while the whale had been swimming, the mariner 
who was indeed a person of infinite resource and sagacity, had taken his jackknife and cut up the raft into a little square grating all running crisscross, and he had tied it firm with his suspenders. Now you know why you were not to forget the suspenders. And he dragged that grating good and tight into the whale's throat. And there it stuck. Then he recited the following sloka, which, as you have not heard it, I will now proceed to relate. By means of a grating, I have stopped your ating. For the mariner, he was also a Hibernian, and he stepped out on the shingle and went home to his mother, who had given him leave to trail his toes in the water, and he married and lived happily ever afterward. So did the whale, but from that day on, the grating in his throat, which he could neither cough up nor swallow down, prevented him from eating anything except very, very small fish. And that's the reason why whales nowadays never eat men or boys or little girls. The small stute fish went and hid himself in the mud under the door sills of the equator. He was afraid the whale might be angry with him. Oh, and the sailor took the jackknife home. He was wearing the blue canvas breeches when he walked out onto the shingle. The suspenders were left behind, you see, to tie the grating with. And that's the end of that tale. When the cabin portholes are dark and green because of the seas outside, when the ship goes whoop with a wiggle between, and the steward falls into the soup terrine and the trunks begin to slide when nursey lies on the floor in a heap and mummy tells you to let her sleep and you aren't waked or washed or dressed why then you'll know if you haven't guessed you're 50 north and 40 west I just love that story. It had to be pretty scary for that guy to live inside a whale for a little bit, though. Now, let's come out of the ocean and go to a farm and sing the song, Old MacDonald. Are you ready? Let's sing. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm he had a cow, E-I-E-I-O. With a moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo-moo. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm he had some chickens, E-I-E-I-O. With a buck buck here and a buck buck there. Here buck, there buck, everywhere buck. Ah! Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm he had a duck, E-I-E-I-O. With a whack whack here and a quack quack there. Here quack, there quack, everywhere quack quack. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And
and on that farm he had a horse. E-I-E-I-O. With a new here and a new new there. Here and nay, there and nay, everywhere new. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm he had some sheep. E-I-E-I-O. With a baba here and a baba there. Here a baa, there a baa, everywhere a baa, baa. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm he had all the animals. E-I-E-I-O. With a moo-moo here and a quack-quack there. Here a quack there. No, everywhere a baa, baa. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. My favorite thing to do is add a bunch of different animals in. We didn't have enough time for all the animals that you could find on a farm, but I bet you could come up with some neat ones. Our next story is a really wonderful story about two little beavers and how they met their little sister. Toodle and Noodle's Sister by Howard R. Garris. Well, boys, said Grandpa Whackum, the old gentleman beaver, one morning, as he swam out of the house in the pond and took a seat on his tail on top of the dam next to where Toodle and Noodle Flattail were sitting. Well, boys, I think you might take a few more swimming lessons today, for after you start going to school, I won't find much time to teach you. School? cried Noodle. Are we going to school, Grandpa? Of course, said the old gentleman beaver, slowly blinking both of his eyes. But school for the other animals began some time ago, spoke Toodle. Johnny and Billy Bushytail, the squirrels, have been going two weeks, and so has Sammy Littletail, the rabbit. I thought we wouldn't have to go. Yes, said Grandpa Whackum. It is true you two boys will start in a little late, but that's because your papa and mama first wanted you to have some lessons at home in tree cutting and in house and dam making and things like that. But when you start to school, say in a week or so, you could easily catch up to the others. So, as I said, I'll give you your last swimming lesson now, and then you will always be able to get away from any animals that chase after you with the water. Now, Toodle and Noodle liked the water very much, and they so enjoyed having Grandpa Whackum show them the best way to swim and dive and float, as well as stay underwater without breathing for a long time. They liked this so much, I say, that they forgot about soon having to go to school. My, how they splashed about in the pond using their hind paws, which were something like duck's feet. They fairly rushed through the water, and when they wanted to go very specially fast, they used their broad, flat tail, just like a propeller on a steamboat. That's the way to do it, cried Grandpa Whackum, as he told the beavers what to do. Turn around quickly in the water and dive down. Oh yeah, when an alligator or a sea lion chases you, just get on down there, said the old gentleman beaver, showing them how. So Toodle and Noodle practiced their swimming lesson, and their grandpa said, Whew, Now boys, whew. Come on up on this old stump and do some diving. Jump right into the water. Don't be afraid. Grandpa Whackum showed them how to do this, springing off his hind feet and going away down, down underwater, where no one could see him until he popped up again. Toodle and Noodle did this after him, and though at first they were not very good at it, soon they got to be so they could dive as nicely as anyone. 
now. You are good swimmers, said the old gentleman beaver, and you may have time to play. Oh, but be careful not to go too far away over to the woods or the, the wolf might get you. Toodle and Noodle said they would be careful, and then they began playing tag as Grandpa Whackum took a much-needed break. They played hide-your-tail and jump-over-your-chewing-gum and all kinds of games like that. Finally, they swam up onto one end of the beaver pond, and they were just going to climb out on land and sit on their tails for a while until they thought of a new game or until some of their friends came home from school when, all of a sudden, something happened. No, it wasn't a rustling in the bushes, and no animal jumped out on them. Goodness knows that takes place often enough, as you well know, but it was something different this time. Toodle and Noodle heard a gentle little voice somewhere off in the woods, and it kept saying, Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, what shall I do? Who will take care of me? Oh dear! Hark! cried Noodle. Did you hear that? Indeed I did, answered his brother. Come on, let's go home. And he started toward the pond. Go home, exclaimed Noodle. What for? Let's go see what that is. No, sir, never, cried Tootle. Why, most likely it's a bear or a wolf making believe cry like that. So we'll come closer and then he can grab us. No, sir, don't you see what it is at all? Come on home. Oh, don't be silly, exclaimed Noodle. That's some little boy or girl animal in trouble. A wolf or a bear couldn't cry in such a tiny weeny voice as that. I say, let's see what it is. Toodle listened to the crying voice again. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Truly, it did sound like some little animal and not like a bear. And finally, Toodle said, well, let's go take a look. But be all ready to run in case there's danger. Remember, Grandpa Whackum isn't here to help us. Oh, I'll be careful, promised Noodle. Slowly and carefully, the two little beaver boys went toward where they heard the voice. It was still crying away like this. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Will no one come and take care of me? Oh, dear. It's in that old stump over there, said Toodle after a bit of looking about. Yes, that's where it is, agreed Noodle. The stump is hollow and some poor chap is inside it. So Toodle and Noodle went up to the hollow stump and they stood on their tippy toes and they looked in and at first it was so dark they couldn't see anything. And then, and then, all of a sudden they looked once more and what do you think they found? Why, there was the dearest, sweetest, cutest little baby beaver girl you ever saw. She was all dressed in a long pink-blue-yellow dress, and she had a little bottle of milk in one paw and a rubber rattle box in the other. But she was crying, this little baby beaver girl was, and she seemed so lonesome and afraid that Toodle and Noodle felt very sorry for her and loved her at once. Oh, look, cried Toodle, a baby in a hollow stump. Yes, and maybe we can take her home and keep her for our little sister, said Noodle. Oh, joy. Oh, dear, said the little baby beaver. 
"'What's the matter?' asked Noodle. "'Oh, I'm left all alone,' said the baby. "'I was out in the woods with my papa and my mama, "'and a bear and a wolf chased us, "'and my papa and my mama ran as fast as they could, "'but the bear and wolf kept after them. "'And finally they got so close that my papa and mama hid away, "'and my mama hid me here. "'I, I hope that... She hoped that nobody would find me, and then she and Papa kept running, and, and, <laughs> but as the little baby beaver cried so hard that she couldn't talk, Toodle and Noodle felt the tears coming into their eyes also, but Toodle asked very softly, what happened after that, baby? The, the bear and the wolf carried my papa and mama away, said the baby beaver. And now they're lost and I'm left all alone here in the woods that I don't know. Oh dear, oh dear. Don't cry any more," said Toodle, and with his handkerchief he wiped the eyes of the baby beaver. We love you and we'll take care of you, won't we, Noodle? Indeed we will, exclaimed the other beaver boy. We'll take you home with us and you can be our little sister. Will you really? asked the baby, who was old enough to talk, you see, and she could walk a little. Oh, that would be lovely, she said. And she stopped crying. So Toodle and Noodle helped her out of the hollow stump, and then they made a little boat out of a piece of tree which they gnawed down, and they rowed the baby beaver across the pond to their house, and Mrs. Flattail said her boys did just the right thing to bring the poor little lost thing home, and she took her for her very own baby and for a sister to Toodle and Noodle. They named her Cracky for she used to drop the dishes and cups and crack them but no one minded that very much for they loved cracky so and one day a wolf chased her and she threw an ice cream cone at him and cracked that but it scared the wolf so he ran away which was what cracky wanted so that is how toodle and noodle got a little sister whom they loved very much and some day grandpa whackham said he might find that wolf and that bear and make them tell him where cracky's papa and mama got off to but Lots of things happened before that. I'm so glad that Toodle and Noodle helped their little sister, Cracky. And goodness, Cracky is such a fun name for that little tiny beaver. I bet they have a lot of adventures. Maybe we can read some more of their adventures later. Our last song and story is One and the same. This is a wonderful story about Mrs. Elephant, and it's got a song built into it. Let's take a listen. Miss Elephant's Moonlight Dance by Royal Dixon. It was a beautiful evening in the forest, and under the moonlight there was a great gathering of friends. Mr. and Mrs. Elephant, and the kangaroos, the foxes, and the handsome leopards, even sprightly little Miss Lynx, and a number of the aristocratic jungle deer were seated, all in a great circle around the pleasant pool which shone in the moonlight and displayed the loveliest of lilies afloat upon its surface. Then it is decided, said the venerable Mr. Taper. 
We are, my friends, going to contest for a dancing prize. It is felt that such an entertainment will relieve the rather tedious monotony of our evenings in this lovely spot. One week from tonight, there will be the finest party we have ever given. No expense is to be spared. Music will be supplied by the celebratory company of baboons and macaws, and the ladies will adjourn forthwith as a committee on refreshments. Mr. Taper went on at great length, for all the animals loved to hear him talk, and he loved to hear himself. He'd been to London. He knew how things ought to be done. So he said it all over several times, but he always ended with, and the ladies will adjourn forthwith, which beautiful words struck the animals as the finest they had ever heard. <gasps> what oratory! Such a flow of London speech! They whispered, and the lovely Miss Giraffe broke down and cried. Such is the power of eloquence. Great jealousies ensued, however, for Mrs. Kangaroo let it be known straight away that the prize was hers for sure. No one could dance as she could. She had only to strike no waist, lift a chin, and give a leap. It was her specialty. When it comes to grace and speed, Mrs. Leopard remarked, there is something in my motion which is utterly lacking to the rest of you. Now, Mrs. Elephant kept quiet. She knew what they thought of her. She was always referred to as that good, solid, easygoing person, unless her friends were spiteful, when they didn't hesitate to call her that ungainly old cow of an elephant. She knew their ways in spite. But I shall get that prize, she grunted as she trudged toward her handsome, roomy home under the chocolate trees. Nor did she feel less determined in the morning when, as a rule, the resolutions of the night before grow pale. Immediately she put her housekeeping into the hands of her sister-in-law, who was young and willing. I have much to do, she said. Then she set out to find her friends, the bullfrogs. They would pipe their tunes all day in the shade, and she would practice her steps. It was hard at first, but soon she devised a wonderful dance. Up and down and around she went all day, and most all night. But she kept her doings a secret, and it was well she did, for all the animals would only have laughed at her had they seen her flopping around on the edge of the bullfrog's pond. The night of the dance came. The elegance of the costumes and the abundance of the refreshments were a delight. It was a little game of Sly Mrs. Fox's to urge everybody to eat as much as possible and this she would do with the sweetest smile. Oh, do eat another bunch of bananas, she would say to Mrs. Elephant, for she wanted everybody to overeat except herself. Then they could not dance, she knew, and she would get the prize if she showed only her wonderful walking steps. But the animals guessed her scheme. They only thanked her and then stroked their dresses or went off into corners to try their steps. It was a brave show. And after a few had risen to the floor and danced their steps, favor was plainly directed to the little and lovely Mrs. Leopard. Just wait for Mrs. Kangaroo, was whispered from one to another. She's wonderful, you know. Then Mrs. Kangaroo came forth. Yes, it was marvelous what she could accomplish. First, she strutted high and proud. 
Then she bounded up and down and finally made a great leap. But it was a leap before she looked, for what did she do but jump right into the lily pond? (laughs) Great embarrassment seized the company, and the less polite, such as the monkeys, simply yelled at her. Mrs. Elephant! Mrs. Elephant! was now the cry. Yes, 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 Mrs. Elephant! came from all sides, for the animals, already amused by Mrs. Kangaroo's unfortunate conclusion, were ready to be boisterous. They could roar at Mrs. Elephant if they wanted to. She was so thick-skinned as they thought that you could never hurt her feelings anyway. But Mrs. Elephant was still very modest and a trifle grand. Besides, she was all polished and trimmed in a manner most affecting. All that afternoon, her sister-in-law had stood in the water with her, smoothing down her dress and rubbing her head and two simple palm leaves behind her ears with a little rope of moonflowers garlanded over her placid forehead gave her a regal aspect, which the animals were surprised and delighted to note. Oh, how beautiful she is! How do you suppose she did it? They gasped. Then Mrs. Elephant danced. At her special request, Mr. Frog played for her, not too fast, on his elegant flute. But scarcely had she taken her first two steps when the orchestra struck up that grand old march, Tigers Bold and Monkeys Wild, which, as you know, would set anybody a-marching even if they had nowhere to go. Waving her splendid arms to the sky and making the most wonderful bows, flapping her ears and curling and pointing her trunk all to the tune of the music. She was, as the eloquent Mrs. Taper was moved to say, as majestic as the night. At her signal, when she knew she had captivated the audience, the music changed and she came tripping toward them with open arms and the pinkest, biggest smile the world has ever seen. She begged them all to strike up the chorus, and suddenly, without knowing what they were about, for such is the way with an audience, once the hard-worked artist has enraptured his fellow beings, they were all shouting the stirring words. I'm the jungle dandio. You're the zebra's daughter. Come and kiss me, handy o. Nuts and orange water. I'm the jungle dandy o. You're the zebra's daughter. Come and kiss me, handy o. Nuts and orange water. I'm the jungle dandy o. Kiss me, 
Honey, 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 honey,